Welcome to What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, a popular resistance broadcast of hot news out of the region. In partnership with Black Alliance for Peace Haiti America's team, Code Pink, Common Frontiers, Council on Hemispheric Affairs, Friends of Latin America, Interreligious Task Force in Central America, Massachusetts Peace Action, and Task Force on the Americas. We broadcast Thursdays at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on YouTube Live, including channels for The Convo Couch, Popular Resistance, and Code Pink. Post-broadcast recordings can be found at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Telegram, RadIndieMedia.com, and now under podcasts at popularresistance.org. Today's episode, Salat 2023. Latin American integration includes the voices of the people. And I'm so excited for all of you uh, to meet our guest and my good friend and uh, human rights solidarity activist, Alejandro Rusconi. He is Secretary of International Relations for the Evita Movement. He is joining us live from Buenos Aires, Argentina. And um, we'll have all of you meet him in just a moment. Let me give you some background as to uh, what has happened in Buenos Aires earlier this week. So let's start with a, a brief description of what SALAC is. Uh, it was founded in 2011. It's known as the Community of Latin American and Caribbean States. It is a multilateral group of 33 countries from across the Western Hemisphere that excludes Canada and the United States. It was created to be an alternative forum for Latin American countries. Inaugural leaders, such as Venezuela's Hugo Chavez, envisioned the group as a counterweight to the Washington-based Organization of American States, OAS, which they viewed as dominated by the United States. CELAC, unlike the OAS, allows Cuba to be a member. Its stated goals are to promote regional integration and cooperation. CELAC represents over 600 million people living in the hemisphere of the Americas. The seventh summit of CELAC leaders was held Tuesday, January 24 in Buenos Aires and hosted by CELAC President Pro Tempore, Alberto Fernandez, who is the current president of Argentina. The 111-point Declaration of Buenos Aires from the community of Latin America and the Caribbean described how, how effects of COVID-19, climate change, and the war in Ukraine have rippled across the region. Quote, we express our concern that several countries emerged from the pandemic with higher levels of public debt. Additionally, the seventh summit witnessed two firsts. One, at the invitation of President Fernandez, the United States was invited and sent U.S. Special Presidential Advisor for the Americas, Christopher Dodd. The other second, uh, the other first was that the summit was preceded by a joint proposal of social and trade union organizations with the presence of about 300 leaders of social organizations, unions, and popular movements from all over the region. The meeting was a forum to discuss the most relevant issues affecting different countries in the context of this conference of heads of state and government, which began on the 24th. So everyone, I'm really, really excited uh, to have this conversation today with all of you and for all of you to meet Alejandro Rusconi, um, again, who's joining us from Argentina for this episode. Welcome, Alejandro. Good afternoon. Thank you. I feel proud to be in this program with you. Terry, you are a colleague and a fighter for peace in the world, and we have uh, worked together in different scenarios in Bolivia and other countries of our Americas. I'm going to speak about the meaning of the social CELAC uh, that had these first steps. This social CELAC was incorporated here in Buenos Aires, working shoulder to shoulder with CELAC, as Terry was explaining, this is an entity for cooperation and integration among the states of Latin America and the Caribbean without the presence of the United States and Canada. 
grassroots and social movements from uh, Argentina, and we can uh, highlight the role of the three uh, unions, uh, main unions of Argentina, the movements of uh, the Afro-descendants and uh, diversities, the uh, representatives of the collectives and the different minorities, the LGBT community, and uh, also uh, organisms that work uh, for gender issues, we will have the capacity of gathering and debating. Time was insufficient. However, what we discussed precisely first, have the possibility of creating this space of uh, social silag with uh, brothers and sisters who uh, came from uh, different countries, uh, from Brazil, from Paraguay, from Panama, from Colombia, from Venezuela, from Chile. And we could discuss uh, several issues and prepare a document. And we want to propose an agenda, the agenda of uh, social movements. CELAC needs to be open uh, and pay attention to what social movements say. We have a broad agenda. We defend democracy and defend peace as well. But we defend a participatory democracy for the movements. Democracy is not just going to the polls and vote. Democracy instead is present in the different realms of public life in having the possibility of debating and discussing and debating programs. We have a broad agenda, but we also pay attention to the situation that our continent is uh, facing, how it has become uh, evident that the inequality is so big here in our hemisphere. And this became evident with the pandemic and the unequal distribution of vaccines. So it was important to make clear our positions about sovereignty, about the issue of Cuba, about self-determination of the peoples, about Nicaragua that has been systematically attacked uh, against the blockades. We express ourselves against the attacks uh, targeting Venezuela, uh, Nicaragua, and Cuba. For the social movements, these uh, items of the agenda are fundamental. We uh, defend these ideals of uh, sovereignty and non-interference. We reiterated our position about the Malvinas Island, and we say, let's put a halt to colonialism, the colonialism that still takes place in islands in the Caribbean. We want Puerto Rico to stop being a colony, and so we can uh, recover our Malvinas Island and the islands of the South Atlantic. We have had a proactive position about what has happened in Haiti. Haiti has a painful history. And Haiti, we need to bear in mind, it was the first liberated state in our Americas. Haiti sacrificed lives and resources and put them at the disposal of Simon Bolivar. Haiti was present during the construction of this dream of the liberator. Uh, Simon Bolivar, we feel the pain of Haitians and we want to revert the policies that have damaged uh, Haiti. The agenda is broad, but we were able to um, hand in a document to the president pro tempore of CELAC, the new president, uh, Ralph Gonzalez. He committed with us to work jointly with the movement, and he has uh, said that he has always uh, worked with social movements, so he'll be joining us in this uh, struggle. Having the possibility of speaking to President Lula and uh, Ralph Gonzalez, uh, Lula, who has resisted a coup d'etat attempt uh, on the last uh, January 8th, because we saw in Brazil an attempt of destruction of the three institutional branches of government. You saw the attack uh, against the Congress and the court. We are fighting for peace. We oppose fascism and uh, coup attempts that became uh, a reality uh, in Brazil. The Bolsonaro and his uh, followers did not uh, accept the victory of Lula. 
they didn't conceal and the reactionary right-wingers wanted to uh, make a coup d'etat, but the SILAC has expressed against these uh, attacks and these uh, coup d'etat attempts. And we have waved uh, uh, flags uh, of peace through the uh, statement that was made by SILAC on January 24th, uh, 2014 in Cuba when America Latina was declared a zone of peace and we are committed to fight in this regard. Thank you so much. I have um, I have a number of questions to ask. I mean, you've, you've given me so many thoughts. First of all, um, I guess I should just explain to um, the audience just that um, Gonzalez, who is the president of St. Vincent's Grenadines, is that's who the new incoming president is. It's been, it went from, you know, I think our audience is aware it went from Mexico to Argentina and now St. Vincent Grenadines, which is really, really exciting. Caribbean island state. That's just terrific news. And um, regarding Haiti, this, um, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that one of the um, one of the declarations coming uh, from this um, Salak Seven Summit was to review the UN position in Haiti. Is that correct? To review or support it? Yes. First of all. For us, it is, we, we feel uh, proud of seeing Ralph Gonzalez in that role. Yeah. It always Latin America is mentioned and the Caribbean is not mentioned as if there were separated items and we commit these type of mistakes. Sometimes in the maps, we don't see the presence of the Malvinas Islands and or the Caribbean Islands. Uh, the lesser Antilles are left outside as if they didn't exist. Today, we feel proud that Ralph is the president pro tempore of uh, SILAC. And oh, I want to exciting. clarify the solidarity with the Haitian uh, resistance. The resolution, there is resolution number four of the social SILAC says no to uh, foreign interference in Haiti. 119 years ago, the victory of the Haitian revolutions gave a place to the first uh, Republic of Haiti and put an end to the colonialism of France back then. Haitians are facing a remarkable crisis and they are facing the threat of a new military occupation by the United States that is promoted openly by Canada. Today, they are uh, fighting against uh, uh, a gross inequality that is bringing benefit just to an elite with the support of the IMF, the multilateral banks, and the imperial and neocolonial powers and condemns a majority of Haitians to live in infrahuman conditions. It is demanded the resign of the de facto government, a government that was not elected by Haitians that has been imposed by these uh, neocolonial powers. And we uh, have called upon the respect of the rights of the Haitian population and the international law. We as Social CELAC are calling the governments and the peoples of CELAC to recognize as a regional heritage the freedom contributions and the human rights contributions uh, related to the anti-slave and anti-racist fight of the Haitian people and to assume the call of different popular social organizations and trade unions to reject in a 
patent way these new attempts of uh, occupation against Haiti. All interference, as it was demanded in October to the ministers of foreign affairs of uh, CELAC and the European Union, we want the governments of the CELAC and of the international community to pay attention to what the Haitians have to say, the solution to the problems, to the domestic problems of Haiti is being promoted by the Haitians themselves and must be respected without any kind of interference or from foreign uh, governments or powers. Haiti belongs to the Haitians and they are the ones to solve the pro their problems. It is important to pay attention that uh, the facto government of Haiti uh, are trying to justify a new intervention with uh, precisely the justification of the previous uh, occupations uh, in the island that had the purpose of weakening the Haitian institutions and uh, permitted the outbreak of cholera and several uh, cases of sexual uh, violations and human rights were revealed. It is necessary to uh, control the armed bands that they are the ones that are promoting those uh, uh, gangs. So they give the weapons to these gangs and then they say they're going to control them, this de facto government. So. We, as uh, Social Select, have expressed in this resolution that we call upon the government to support the rights of the Haitian people, ensuring the non-interference of foreign governments or powers, the end of this de facto government and this uh, office uh, of the UN that is supporting this de facto government. It is necessary to include uh, reparation due to uh, the the nefarious effects of uh, cholera and the crimes committed uh, by previous occupations. It is necessary to restore the gold reserves that were uh, stripped uh, from Haiti by the US and other powers and reparations to be paid by France because uh, Haiti had to pay an obscene debt in favor of the slave owners. It is necessary to stop the massive expel of migrants and the massive violations of human rights during deportation procedures. And it's necessary to understand that there is no possible transition to anything different um, in Haiti with an imposed regime. We say in this resolution, long live to Haiti, long live to a free and sovereign Haiti. <laughs> Wonderful. We always leave, you know, it's it's not uncommon when we talk about Latin America and the Caribbean to not mention um, Haiti. And it's it, it's something that many, many of us and organizations are, are guilty of. And so I'm just so happy that. Um, that you. Uh, have written in support of Haiti and for their sovereignty and for self-determination. We've done, for our audiences aware, we've done a couple of recent episodes on Haiti, particularly uh, one in, uh, I want to say October or November, when there was an overt threat of U.S. intervention. That inner, that threat of interventionism is still there. And so it's really wonderful, Alejandro, that Social Salak has um, lifted up the voices of um, of the Haitian people and is defending their sovereignty and independence. Um, Puerto Rico as well. I wonder, can we um, talk about a couple things that came out of um, the seventh summit? I have a list of things. You mentioned you talked uh, with Lula and Argentina and Brazil uh, re-engaged uh, for the first time with Lula as uh, the president, once again, of Brazil. And one of the things that came out of that Argentina-Brazil meeting was uh, the discussion of introducing a currency between, a common currency between the two countries. And they, those two countries are, are one another's largest trading partners, I 
believe. So this is quite significant that um, that there's going to be a common currency. Is this, I guess my question for you is, one, what do you, what do you make of it? And two, a lot of us are thinking that this is going to be a trial run, a practice for creating a hemispheric currency, or at least a, a, a Salak currency. Yes. We, with Brazil, have a very important common border. We have a common history. We may have had some differences. They were invaded in the past by Portugal. We were invaded by the Spaniards. But they are a sister nation that has a fight, has fought for independence like us. And I always highlight uh, and that, something that happened in Argentina, a meeting between uh, President Nestor Kirchner and President Lula uh, da Silva. Uh, after uh, Lula and Kirchner uh, took office, they ha held a meeting in Buenos Aires and they uh, created a document. This, is, uh, this was back in 2003. Back then, we uh, called that moment the consensus of Buenos Aires. We had uh, Mercosur already running, um, but a Mercosur that was liberal, that was born imitating the the free trade agreement of North America. These were the times of the Washington Consensus. Nestor Kirchner and Lula Silva, through this document that was called the Consensus of Buenos Aires, attempted to change the paradigm of uh, relations and attempted to change Mercosur because they understood that Mercosur needs to uh, point at social Mercosur, not just at a commercial Mercosur that had been implemented from the north trying to imitate this uh, free trade agreement area of the US. But uh, with uh, Lula and Nestor Kirchner, we had the possibility afterwards of creating UNASUR and then the SELAC, respectively. Tools uh, for processes of integra integration. Having a common currency is very important for us. And it's very important that initially to do this with Brazil, but yes, it needs to be extended throughout the continent and work on the remarkable asymmetries that are present in the region because we have countries with different uh, types of economies, but how can we uh, take them into account for this? This is the kickoff of something excellent, of a great initiative towards a regional a currency, so that we don't need to use the dollar as a um, currency to exchange uh, goods and services with uh, other states in the region. We need to have our own currency, we need to promote uh, peace with social justice, with good uh, con living conditions, but we need to establish the reduction of poverty and of extreme poverty, uh, strengthen food production, organic food. And this has to do with creating our own uh, markets. Also, this is related to the currency, this uh, value unit or for exchange that needs to be created by our governments, uh, our governments that represent the interest of our peoples. This is so important. And it was highlighted in the final draft of the document of the social select, because this has been a step forward. And we are speaking about this 25 days after uh, Lula has taken office after an attend coup. This is going to strengthen the region. This is going to strengthen our countries and the living conditions of our peoples. So there's a, a potential de-dollarization of Latin America and the Caribbean coming, um, which we're seeing potentially across the globe. And it's, I mean, I, it's, it's, a, it's a reinforcement of sovereignty again and um 
that's like the key word throughout the Americas, especially since all of these legislative and presidential elections that occurred since October of 2020. Sovereignty, national sovereignty, natural resource sovereignty, currency sovereignty, that's like the theme. And this really seems to me what um, Salak is focused on creating. And again, I just want to say how exciting it was this week to see a social Salak and that an organized social movement, labor movement um, body was created and integrated with the governmental heads of state um, summit. That is that is just huge to have the people's voices represented, formally represented and heard. And that's just such an important integration along with economic regional integration. One of the things that um, you mentioned was a Latin America zone, um, a peace zone, a nuclear free zone. I It was really pretty exciting to see in that regard um, Gustavo Petro, the president of Colombia, mentioned that Colombia would not be sending military aid to Ukraine. That would, I mean, and for the audience, Colombia is a NATO global partner and very, in that manner, very closely aligned with the United States. So this was a really strong and important statement. And it was done um, in the presence of the United States at the Salak summit. So there's a to me there's a really clear vision in place that is being shared with the United States so that nothing is going to happen behind the U.S.'s back and it but that was bold <laughs> bold and pretty exciting for him to say so maybe we should talk about um, him saying he would not Colombia would not be sending uh, military aid to Ukraine, and then how that reflects on Salak's vision of creating um, a peace zone. Well, we, in uh, Social Salak, we also wave that flag, and we, uh, we, what we have also said is to dismantle the military bases located in our continent. Colombia, has a lot of them strategically pointing uh, to the border with Brazil and Venezuela as if they were enemies and they are brothers and sisters. It was a policy uh, promoted by the Colombian previous government. It is important not to send weapons to any country. We need to send doctors, as Cuba uh, does, and as uh, Fidel said, in the year when uh, Nestor Kirchner took office, uh, there was a ceremony here in the Faculty of Law uh, of the University of Buenos Aires. While others uh, send weapons, we send uh, humanitarian missions and doctors. We need to change that paradigm. And this year, 200 years uh, anniversary of the Monroe Doctrine is taking place from the Social CELAC we have drafted a document. We are going to work on an international campaign against the uh, Monroe Doctrine that continues to be present in the hegemonic uh, thinking of the superpowers. And we say no against the uh, this shipment of weapons. We need to put a halt to the arms development, development industry in the world promoted by the United States. And that is why we need to work and continue working, promoting proactive uh, policies, uh, peace campaigns throughout the world. As uh, you were saying, Terry, about Gustavo Petro, Gustavo Petro that represents the interest, the true interest of the Colombian people, of this multicultural and multicolor people of Colombia. We are very happy to see what he's doing for the benefit of his people through his policies, his policies of human rights, how the peace process has moved forward and to give place to everyone on the table and not sending weapons uh, to Ukraine is a very important decision. And I want to clarify that Argentina is also a member of the NATO, not a full member, 
we are very sad of that. We are not full member because we have a conflict. We have a conflict with Great Britain about the Malvinas Islands, what they call a conflict. For us, it is a security policy because in the times of the neoliberal government of Menem, work was made to become a full member of the NATO and there was an opposition of Great Britain due to the conflict uh, about the Malvinas Island. And that is why to be a member of the, the NATO is terrible because of the policies they promote. Well, it's a it's a tool for um, to be perfectly blunt, taking over the planet. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I, I you know I have to say I I forgot about the situation with Argentina and NATO, and I guess in a backhanded way, you know, thank goodness there is that controversy over the Malvinas because Argentina is not uh, a, a full NATO. Um, member and so i guess a backhanded blessing in disguise over that conflict um let's talk a little bit about um gosh i've got let me pick something here i've got tons of um notes i i just i guess i i would say ask for your opinion on this to me reading um, the the document that came out of the the seventh summit, or the the formal Salak summit, it sounded it read not dissimilar to uh, the the document produced in Mexico City September of 2021, which was a pretty exciting summit because it was the reconvening of Salak by um, the president of Mexico after a four year pause. So it seems like this seventh summit is basically reinforcing what came out of uh, the 2021 summit and moving forward. One of the things that seemed to me in 2021 and again has come through in several ways with this most recent summit is how the global north's neglect of the global south and in our conversation latin america and the caribbean the neglect of the global north of latin america and the caribbean during the pandemic the lack of resources that were given um, by the united states to its own neighbors there seems to me to be now a humanitarian unity within latin america and the caribbean unlike what has existed in the past. In the past, there's been political, economic, uh, social uh, unification, but this seems to be a really deep humanitarian link among nations right now that's, that has pushed a lot of other differences aside. Sí. Yes, es, es así. It, it is like you're saying. And we need to highlight the role of solidarity when catastrophes have taken place in our countries. What are happened in Cuba when Cuba had the problem near Baradero, when the, there was a problem in the thermoelectrical plants. But the first help that arrived was from Mexico and Venezuela. And there has always been solidarity among these countries. So CELAC is a mean uh, for cooperation and we need to strengthen it. But it is a mechanism where consensus are ne uh, necessary. Sometimes some decisions are taken and we, the militants, see some of the decisions as weak because we want to see uh, but we understand the diversity among the different countries and the different opinions uh, of the different governments, because we have some governments that are more oriented towards uh, people, some others that are socialist, and some others that are even neoliberal. But we have seen that uh, plurality has uh, 
being present and there has been a unified position against blockades and the mechanism for meetings that CELAC has is very useful. We uh, we have an annual meeting uh, among presidents uh, every January when the uh, president pro tempore changed uh, from uh, AMLO to uh, Alberto Fernandez and now is in the hand of uh, the prime minister of San Vincent and the Granadines. So this is important for us to have uh, quick evolutions and changes of dynamics. And in social CELAC, we are trying to do that, to work uh, in different countries. This was an initial uh, uh, meeting. We need to promote uh, new meetings. We need to uh, visit uh, the president pro tempore, but we need to hold meetings in uh, all of our countries of the social CELAC uh, in Colombia, in Venezuela, in Cuba. So within our 33 countries, we need to all be hosts and promote agendas related to specific uh, topics because the document expressed uh, diversity and this diversity needs to be um, the develop in the different uh, discussions among the brothers and sisters. So our 33 countries need to provide contributions and promote a deeper integration. We are open to that, to discuss with everyone and also to uh, see the different expressions of solidarity. Uh, sometimes, I mean, governments do not execute this solidarity that is uh, happily proposed by our peoples. So creating this integrated regional solidarity, how, and so this would be social and economic solidarity and integration, which is fantastic. And and I, I agree with you, there is, and again, since all these elections and you and I uh, witnessed quite a few between October of 2020, all the way through uh, to the Brazil elections this past fall, that it really, people did vote for sovereignty. And there is, as a result, a spectrum of economic uh, policies they voted for. And it is like one step to the center of left, social democratic, all the way to revolutionary uh, economic and social change. But it is a spectrum um, of left of, of center governments. And I, to me, I think that's that's actually really exciting because it shows to you what's possible and um, and it's allowing this move forward. But regarding um, social and economic integration, how does this affect um, uh, the bloc, the SELAC bloc, inter um, interfacing with the European Union, Russia, China, or uh, Asia Pacific? And also in doing so, are we really seeing the deconstruction of the Organization of American States and the full emergence of CELAC. I mean, it was really, really curious and to some of us a little bit uh, disappointing in a way to see the United States invited, but for the rest of the hemisphere to unite and move on, you certainly wouldn't want to do anything you know, behind the back of the world's largest military power. But it, it's it's uh, it's really fascinating what appears to be unfolding. So, can we can we comment on on how this social and economic integration may uh, present itself in relationship with the EU, Russia, and China? And then let's talk about the OAS a bit. Sí. Yes. Yes, first, in the analysis that you carry out and the excitement uh, on the changes uh, in the governments in the region, first, we had a process, we call it the decade that, that was won 
when we had a popular governments throughout the region. Uh, the, the Chavez government that took place, then Lula, Kirchner, and Correa, and Celaya, Lugo, uh, Cuba, that was the beacon uh, enlightening us. In 2006, the victory of Daniel Ortega in Nicaragua, all these governments that were the ones that promoted the creation of CELAC in 2011. And what happened afterwards? Because we cannot uh, forget how these governments uh, disappeared. We saw the coup that took place in Honduras and the institutional coup in Paraguay, Dilma in Brazil, also targeted with a coup. So before weapons were used to uh, remove heads of state and government, and, but now they have used the legislative uh, branches of power or the lawfare, the justice, the issue of uh, Lula, what occurs with the uh, false denounces, he went to prison and now he's the president again. But to be president again, Lula had to uh, face 500 days in the prison because they created the conditions, the opponents, for Bolsonaro to take power. Bolsonaro was not able to win an election. So they had to remove Dilma's government and send Lula to prison to make possible the right wing to assume power. And who was promoting that? The US, the North. And Trump, Bolsonaro, they're similar, as you may notice. And again, we see a new recomposition in the continent. We saw the victory of AMLO back in 2018 in Mexico, and Chile was uh, recovered. Peru, even if Peru is facing a coup d'etat, Argentina also uh, again had a leftist government in Brazil. Now you see a recomposition, a recovery uh, with popular governments that are similar to their people. We need to be careful with the relationships with the European Union because they keep having this thinking in mind that we need to produce food and products to feed them because CELAC for them is the largest reservoir. <laughs> of the world. Uh, we have common resources, resources that belong to the countries of the Americas. But since they see that we have natural resources, they want to say they protect those resources. We see the policy towards the Guarani Aquifer. There are military bases of the US there because this is the largest uh, a potable water reservoir of the world. So we heard the statement by the uh, commander of the Southern Command, these uh, statements about the lithium uh, reserve. So we need to be very careful. We need to protect our resources and we need to uh, produce uh, elements with added value, we, not just having them uh, taking away the products uh, that we produce our food, because they keep having in mind this colonial policy. And we need to uh, also take into account our social, labor, and economic conditions. We need to make sure to have decent jobs. That's the essential to have a decent life for our citizens. So our states need to promote um, opportunities for decent jobs so that people can have a decent life in their different dimensions, having health, education, and having the possibility of contributing for the benefit and the well-being of our nations. We need to have an effective protection of the labor conditions for our citizens and a salary that need to be guaranteed by the member states. We can also mention the BRICS, the role of the BRICS that is uh, broadening 
uh, with the incorporation of Argentina, among other countries. BRICS lag should be an axis of cooperation, uh, economic cooperation with our 33 states, because the block negotiation is more convenient. We are stronger. We say the countries of the Mercosur, of the Mercosur. Uh, for example, countries such as Uruguay that want unilateral free trade agreements, that's not convenient because if we negotiate alone, we are defeated. We need to negotiate as a block to impose conditions. We don't want them imposing conditions upon us. That's not good. So we need to try to protect our economies, our regional economies. So because what, see, what we see is that they come and take away our agricultural products. We need to recognize the plurinationality, the plurality of nations. And something that concerns us a lot is the issue of human trafficking. The, it's necessary to punish uh, the crimes related to uh, sexual trafficking and human trafficking and we are working in our countries to prevent that. And that has to do with uh, creating good conditions of uh, for labor. Because what we see is that in our borders, we see uh, labor exploitation uh, against minorities. And in that sense, we need to develop coherent policy to bring a solution. So when we speak about human trafficking, we are not talking about just sexual exploitation. We are talking about labor exploitation. We have seen that people are um, taken to work in conditions of semi-slavery, paying wages to them that only uh, allow them to survive. So we see commonly this exploitation taking place. So you've brought up, I just want to digress a minute on two things, because these are two subjects that have come up on recent previous episodes. One, we did a um, an episode on lawfare regarding um, Argentina and your vice president. And that, in that same episode, we talked about the lawfare situation uh, in Peru that removed uh, President Castillo from office. And so just to reference that, that that is how politicians, how state leaders are removed from office now. And it's very tricky. It's very insidious. And, and it has been, unfortunately, successful. And the other thing is regarding labor. And of course, right now in Honduras with these, um, what do they call them, the Zetes? We talked about this last week, actually, with the, the private cities. Uh, and having labor, non-sovereign labor, that the labor pool is 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 under the guidance and law of the corporations running these these cities versus um, the actual nation that the people are, are born and raised in. So that's a big, you know, the labor thing is, is potentially huge, particularly as. Um, the United States and NATO really push for a full neoliberal privatization model. And that's why I think, you know, this reconvening of Salak in 2021 and seeing it move forward so powerfully is so, so important to push back against what, what the global North wants. And also still using Latin America and the Caribbean, as you mentioned, as, as colonial labor and colonial uh, and for colonial resource extraction, whether it be minerals or, or food, and the need to um, develop economies with added with products of added value and finished products. In that regard, let's talk a little bit about China because China, the president of Mexico, has said, and he made reference to this in the prior Salak summit, and he said it again, although he was not. He sent his foreign minister to Buenos Aires this year, he did not go. But he is really promoting regional uh, economic development and, um, and regional production as a hemisphere and using CELAC as that tool. 
that and he he flat out said we don't need to be importing as a region you know from other parts of the world or we don't need to be importing as much and to me i interpret that as a pushback on asia pacific china trade and china and perhaps even you know china's influence in in the hemisphere of the americas sí I think that uh, what is imported from China? Many things are imported that we can produce. That is why what we need to have is a policy of strengthening of our industries, our own industries, to be able to compete in equity of conditions, in equality of conditions, because. We have seen examples of this in Argentina with the fabric, with the textile industry. We have developed the handcraft textile industry and the industrial. And when we see the different conditions of labor in China and in Argentina, when we see so many garments imported, we ended up uh, having our workshops destroyed, the imported products ended up destroying national production. That is why we need to have uh, barriers to uh, protect our production. So if we can manufacture uh, piece uh, and sometimes you have uh, things that are elaborated with our raw materials, but what you see is that there is a lower cost in terms of labor in other uh, countries and that ends up destroying in our markets and what we need to have is to have a strengthening of our own productions we need to replace all these imported products with a national production as it is uh, taking place and let me give you an example and the example of venezuela for example they are trying to promote uh, the domestic production of food. That's fantastic. The uh, family gardens, that's a need to be met. We need to be able to grow our own food, not just to import everything and that uh, sometimes come from a different continent. So things that can be easily uh, manufactured or produced nationally. We need to bear this in mind and we need to strengthen our industries throughout the region, because if we can have a common currency, we are able also to have common production. We need to have common production among member states of CELAC. Many times this has occurred in the past. We have uh, joined uh, uh, companies between Argentina and Brazil. We need to try to um, enlarge this uh, range of our production, not to rely on other countries that are outside the region, outside of CELAC. Uh, here, we need to understand that it's necessary to have the good condu conditions to compete. Where you see China present, the US is also paying attention. We need to invest in technology and we have received delegations from the US saying that this technology, for example, that we acquired from China is not good because what they're trying to do is to sell their own products. So they don't want the Chinese to be here in this region. So it's very complex the way you handle the relationships, the reality in each country is different. There are some countries that uh, have relationships with Taiwan, which is, and we need to understand the meaning of the cooperation with Taiwan and some others have relations with China. So for example, Nicaragua has interrupted relationships with Taiwan and has instead signed cooperation agreements with China. So it's very complex what we see throughout the continent it is uh, difficult at times, but we are open to discuss these issues because these are uh, items that need to be discussed in this global agenda. You mentioned um, 
Chinese Chinese products and you know the U.S. basically trying to devalue the Chinese products to create markets for U.S. products. I would argue that this is the same thing. There was a statement the other day by the uh, commander of the Southern Command um, proposing that Latin American and Caribbean nations that currently have Russian military equipment donate that equipment to Ukraine so that it can be that Russian equipment can be replaced with U.S. equipment. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that says a whole lot. I mean, that's, oh, I, I don't even know what to make of that. I mean, I guess on a certain level, it's, it's you know, it's a brilliant capitalist business idea to push your product, donate your, your Russian equipment to Ukraine, and then you can replace it with, with the U.S. equipment. That is just pretty, pretty crazy. Um, in our last few minutes, let's talk about, and we, we've talked about so much, um, the social and the economic and the different trade agreements and and the U.S. being present at this particular Salak summit. Do you see this seventh summit leading or really setting the stage, not just the conversation, but setting the stage for Salak to replace the Organization of American States? I think first the the ground was leveled. Governments changed. Now we have uh, governments that uh, agree on policy, and we are moving towards that goal. And what we need to say and to highlight, and we are happy that the Secretary General of the OAS was not invited. <laughs> he was not invited to this SILAC uh, summit. We, we saw that the US was invited. We didn't like that idea because if we are an organism without the presence of the US, why are we inviting them? But it, we were explained and we understood that in the matters of diplomacy, sending a uh, note is a formality. The, the 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 thing is that the role that they can play in our organism. So we understand diplomacy. China was also invited. So it was a formality, let's say. The important thing is that the that our countries have the opportunity to discuss and the OAS uh, regarding the OAS. We we are at a stage in which, in which we are going to the funeral of the OAS. They are already there. We need to keep our, an eye open because uh, we have to be careful that we need to pay attention because I think Almagro is probably going to be uh, uh, removed from his position because there is a problem possible criminal process against that person because uh, the OAS represents uh, interest. Almagra is the employee of the month for the OAS. But if it's not Almagra, they can appoint someone else. However, that is why we are focusing on strengthening organisms such as SILAC uh, that ends up becoming a true mechanism to defend uh, the interests of our country, not just to limit CELAC to a space for consensus or to produce statement, but to produce proactive policies, to have uh, a CELAC court, to have uh, an organism of human rights. That should be the goal, uh, institutional architecture, step by step, unity within diversity. Because we want all of the states to be there. And sometimes it's difficult for the presidents or heads of state and government to reach a consensus or an agreement. It's not always easy. We have some members that mm, speak about dictatorships. However, 
if one of the members expressed an opinion, it's not necessarily the opinion of the CELAC. But we have to hear to all, what all the presidents have to say. So we uh, we feel very proud to see that the CELAC is reinforced and that the Caribbean states are now holding the presidency pro tempore. And, and it was nice to see that the uh, president pro tempore here was able to uh, discuss with the social movements. And what we are mentioning, and we are so happy to see Ralph Gonzalez holding the presidency. And we are happy to see that uh, he has the agenda for social movement in uh, his hands. And I'm so happy to see this uh, birth of the social CELAC. The voice of those who were never heard is now being heard. And we want to incorporate more voices. Some people were not able to make it. We uh, unfortunately did not receive the support of the Argentinian government for the incorporation of the social CELAC. However, we uh, were happy to see that they opened the uh, gate for us to uh, meet the President Lula and the new or the incoming uh, President Pro Tempore. And we thank the government for giving us the possibility. We didn't have enough time to work all the items of the agenda we wanted to work on. However, we will continue working with the different movements of Latin America and the Caribbean for a common agenda. So, wow, Alejandro, what, what, a, what wonderful work you're doing. And uh, so exciting to see the people's voices organized ahead of uh, the state Salak um, summit and and that uh, you've been able to get your resolutions in front of um, the new Salak president. That's like, that's, this is just huge. And um, it will be so important to see this full integration of Latin America and the Caribbean, which does include and needs to include uh, the voices of the people. And, and you're you're so key to making that happen. It was just such an honor to have this conversation with you and to know you and work with you in, in other human rights related um, arenas as well. I'm so thankful you had time to join us today. Is there anything uh, we should share with the audience before we close our episode? Sí. Que... Yes, something that... Uh... Uh, we didn't address the topic of Peru. We uh, feel the pain of this coup that is taking place of Peru. And we see that the current uh, president of Peru is talking about people that died. No, we are talking about people that were murdered. We are working with missions of human rights. We are working with uh, uh, political parties to be able to go to Peru and to hear the voices that uh, are not being heard by the Peruvian government. We need to uh, file complaints in the human rights uh, organisms of what's uh, happening in Peru. We need to pay attention to what's going on in Peru, analyzing what is happening, the role of social movements uh, and the population, how are they protesting? The, there is a media blackout uh, several roads have been blocked and no one knows because it, this is not being uh, shown. Everybody wants to go to Lima because the center of power is there, because the people have been betrayed by the establishment. The vice president is not doing what the people want. So we are not interfering in domestic affairs. If they want to have a, a constituent assembly or the elections, that's a domestic problem, but that needs to be solved. However, we say that democracy needs to return and we need to stop criminality. Let's have no more weapons there. Stop murdering people. What's happening 
is what uh, we saw in Colombia. We see uh, weapons that are being used directly against the people. And we have seen a lot of murder people there in Peru. That's what we are asking for. This was the what I didn't mention during the conversation. We have a commitment with Peru, a sister nation. I thank you. I thank you, Terry. I'm so happy to have the possibility of being here and speaking about this important elements about this common agenda that we have and we have a similar thinking because we are both militants of peace we are militants of for the rights of people and having the possibility of sharing this with an audience it makes me proud and we not only have a, a friendship we have been together uh, physically fighting for peace so thank you all. Thank you so much. What what a great honor to have this conversation with you. It's been so informative. And uh, I'm so thankful for your knowledge and your leadership. And, and you're such a great example <laughs> to me, a personal example of, of, of human rights um defending and just you're always out there on the on the front lines where where people need you and thank you for uh bringing up peru um i guess we should probably close our episode with that and um i just want to remind the audience that we've been speaking with alejandro Rusconi. he's the international relations secretary for evita movement in argentina and so we're so thankful he could join us from argentina today and um the program's been What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, uh, Popular Resistance Broadcast. You can catch us on YouTube Live Thursdays at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on uh, three YouTube channels, simulcasting, uh, simulcasting uh, Code Pink, Popular Resistance, and The Convo Couch, and post-broadcast recordings can be found uh, at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you again, Alejandro, and uh, we'll see all of you next week.